thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April Zare, and I'm an associate pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We'd also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. If you remember last Sunday, we pointed out the Christ candle on Palm Sunday. It represented the, the presence of Jesus, Jesus entering into Jerusalem, Jesus entering into those last days of his life leading up to his sacrifice. On Good Friday, our Good Friday evening service, at the end of the service, the candle was, was ushered out, representing Jesus leaving this world. And on Easter Sunday, when we celebrate Jesus alive, the candle is again with us. It is lit because Jesus is risen. We praise God for that. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 for the scripture reading this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 9. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. If this good news that saves you is some, if it is this good news that saves you, if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had been also passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of them are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and the latter, and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. On Good Friday, I used a a Will Ferrell quote, and Kevin Steckley was asking me if I was going to drop another one today, and I'm, I assure you, I'm not going to. I promise I will keep this classy, KZMC. <laughs> you stay classy. The, the British philosopher Bertram Russell had a, an interesting and, and frankly kind of depressing view of life. He wrote these words, the life of man is a long march through the night surrounded by invisible foes, tortured by weariness and pain towards a goal that few can hope to reach and where none can tarry long. One by one as they march, our comrades vanish from our sight, seized by the silent orders of omnipotent death. Brief and powerless is man's life, and all his race is slow, or in all his race, the slow, sure doom falls pitiless and dark. Blind to good and evil, Reckless of destruction, omnipotent matter rolls on its relentless way. For man, condemned today to lose his dearest, 
tomorrow himself to pass through the gates of darkness, it remains only to cherish, yet before the blow falls, the lofty thoughts that ennoble his little day. So there's a little pick-me-up for your Easter Sunday morning. Well, Bertram Russell was an atheist. And so when he looked at the world, it was strictly through a human point of view. There was nothing beyond this life, nothing beyond what we can see and sense. And for a person who doesn't believe in God and doesn't believe in an afterlife, there, there is no hope. When you die, you're dead. There's no life afterwards. When you die, death is final. There's no hope for anything else. A person who doesn't believe in an afterlife doesn't go looking for the living among the dead. Now, not all people that don't believe in a God and the existence of God are, are always that depressing. For most, there's a sincere search for meaning and for, for hope in life. But when it comes to death, if we don't believe in a life after this, if we don't believe in, in a God who loves and cares for us and who made a way for our life after this, th there's no hope to be found only in the things of this earth. If, there, if that's all that there is, then, then much of what Russell said is, is true. That life is just plodding through this, this life until our, our life is over. It's a struggle with nothing hopeful to look forward to after this. In the gospel accounts of Jesus' resurrection, we read about the encounter that the women had at the tomb. And Pastor Deb read that this morning at the sunrise service, the account from the gospel of John. And so when they got to the tomb, they encountered an angel, a couple of angels, that asked them a, a strange question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why would the angels ask that question? Well, I, I think they asked the question because those women, they came not looking for a living Jesus. They came looking for a Jesus who had died. They came to this cemetery, and that's generally what you do when you go to a cemetery. You're looking for the dead among the dead. But this angel knew something that those women didn't know is what Jesus wasn't dead anymore. He was alive. See, these women came to the grave because it was time for them to, to prepare Jesus' body for burial. When Jesus died on what we now call Good Friday, it was so close to the Sabbath that there wasn't time for them to properly prepare the, the body for burial. And they weren't, weren't allowed to do that work on a, on a Sabbath day, on the Saturday. And so Jesus' tomb there really was a, a temporary situation. And so when Sabbath was over, on the third day, they came to, to finish that work. And when they got to that cemetery, they were prepared for finding the dead among the dead. When they brought those spices so they could prepare. They weren't looking for the living among the dead. Now what Bertram Russell and, and others who think like him understand is the reality that that you can't find the living among the dead. We're living in a dying world. And when we only seek for our, our hope and, and our life in the things of this world, we won't find much in the way of life. There's no hope for a future after this life is over because it doesn't exist. But what they don't understand, or, or at least don't believe, 
is that the resurrection of Jesus changes all of that. The reality of the resurrection of Jesus gives us hope. The reality of the, of the life of Jesus, that Jesus did die, but he rose again, gives us hope not only for the life after this one is over, but gives us hope for our lives right now, for every day. For centuries, there have been people that have tried to, to disprove the, the, uh, the resurrection of Jesus. And they, they continue to, to do that even to this day. But apparently, there were some in the early church that even at that point, even that point way back in history, there were people that seemed to not really understand that Jesus really did die and be raised again. Because we see Paul writing here in 1 Corinthians 15, 19-20, he says, If our hope in Christ is only for this life, then we're to be more pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Paul is, is writing to his people, the, the people in, in Corinth there, that, that maybe started to lose the, the hold of the, the reality and, and the importance of the fact that Jesus is alive. That we serve a risen Savior. He's not just one who, who came and died and is gone now, but he is alive. And that makes a difference. It makes a huge difference in our lives. There's a story of a family that was watching a, a movie on TV one night. It was a movie called The Greatest Story Ever Told, uh, a classic 1965 movie about the life of Jesus with stars like John Wayne and Sidney Poitier and Angela Lansbury. So they're watching this movie, and the, the, the children especially are kind of really gripped by this movie. One little girl in particular was, was really moved. And towards the end, where Jesus was, was struggling towards the cross, she was watching with, with tears rolling down her cheeks. And she was absolutely silent when the place came when Jesus was taken down from the cross and, and laid in the tomb. But then she turned to her parents and said, this is the good part. And that's the reality. The resurrection of Jesus is the good part. It's the part that makes all the difference for us. The good part of the story because it's the resurrection of Jesus that gives us our faith. It's the resurrection of Jesus that we have our hope. It's the reality that, that Jesus is alive, that we have the promise of forgiveness, that we have the promise of new life. It's in the resurrection of Jesus that we are who we are. And it's because of the resurrection of Jesus that we have any hope to offer to the world. King David in Psalm 16 verse 10 prophesied that, that you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Jesus' resurrection is fulfillment of that prophecy. I mean, Jesus told his disciples that he was going to die. He warned them, told them it was going to happen, but on the third day he'd rise again. I find it interesting in the, the accounts there, the, where the women went to the tomb and the angel had to remind them of this. They didn't believe it. And when they ran back to tell the disciples, they didn't believe it either. Somehow, all of Jesus' disciples had forgotten that Jesus said this was going to happen. I find it especially interesting because even Jesus' enemies seem to know about this. 
And that's why the guards were placed at the tomb. That's why the tomb was sealed. And, and the, the Pharisees and the chief priests, they, they asked the Roman authorities to put soldiers around there. Because in Matthew 27, 63 and 64, we read this. We see them saying, We remember that while he was alive, that deceiver said, After three days I'll rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may come and steal the body and tell people that he's been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. So it was well known that Jesus said this was going to happen. And yet so quickly it seems his disciples, the ones who followed him, the ones who were closest with him, lost sight of that. They went to that tomb looking for the dead among the dead when they should have gone looking for the living among the dead because Jesus said on that third day he would be alive. And when they got there with the spices, when they got there to, to look for a body to prepare, all they found was an empty tomb and an angel reminding them of what Jesus had said. Arthur Ramsey said this way, no resurrection, no Christianity. The resurrection is vitally important in our faith. The resurrection is the, at the core of all the promises that God made. He sent Jesus to, to pay the price and he, to, sent, to bring life and to give life. And when Jesus had done that, when he sacrificed himself, when he, when he laid his life down, the seal of approval was that he did what he said he did and, and came alive again. He did what he said he was going to do. And so unlike much of the world, we have this assurance that, that Jesus did rise from the dead and that he's alive right now. He still is alive. And because of that, the assurance that he accomplished what he came to earth to do, to settle the debt of our sin, to pay the price that, that we should have paid ourselves with our lives, to offer us the gift of forgiveness, forgiveness of sins and the gift of, of life, full life, abundant life here and now, and eternal life when this life is over. That Jesus is alive is not just a myth. It's a reality. Each one of the Gospels records it. Records the things that Jesus did after he died and rose again. And Paul here in 1 Corinthians 15 affirms that. He says that, that at the time that he was writing these words, that most of those 500 people that, that saw Jesus that interacted with Jesus were still alive. And so there were people walking the earth at this time that could tell firsthand the story of, of meeting Jesus, of encountering Jesus, of hearing his teaching again and, and seeing his, his, uh, his life after he died. We don't have that today. And so we have to choose faith. We have to go and stand on the faith of the people ahead of us. Who, who went before us in this and trust that what they knew and what they knew to be real is really the reality. Those disciples and apostles, why would they have endured suffering and persecution and, and many of them terrible death 
for a story that they had just made up themselves. They knew that Jesus was alive. They'd encountered it firsthand. They'd seen him. They'd touched him. They'd eaten with him. They knew that Jesus' resurrection was a reality because they saw it. They believed it. They knew it to be true. So let's bring this home for us here today. Do you and I seek the living among the dead? Do we seek life and hope among the things of this world? Or are we seeking them from Jesus? Do we look for hope and meaning from God? Are we trying to find life from the source of life? Down through the ages, there's been lots of people that have tried to disprove the reality of the resurrection. They've looked at history, they've looked at the Bible, and one of them was a man named Dr. Simon Greenleaf, a skeptic from Harvard Medical School, or Law School, had written volumes of books on the law, and in his classes where he taught, he regularly mocked any Christians who were there, but eventually he was challenged to, to use his, his own education, his own study methods to, to study the, the resurrection. If you don't believe it, disprove it. And so he took that challenge. And as he did that, he found the evidence so overwhelming that he became a believer himself. And later on, he wrote, the, the resurrection of Jesus is one of the best established facts of history. And so where do you and I seek our life and hope? We can have faith, we can have assurance that Jesus is alive and Jesus continues to be the source of life and hope. When we go back to work on Monday or Tuesday or go back to school or, or go back to the, the patterns of our lives later this week, where will we seek life and hope? Will we seek it from just the things of the world? Will we try and find satisfaction in, in the situations around us? in the joys of this earth, the things of the world? Or will we choose to go to the living Jesus and find our life and find our hope there? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18, Paul writes this. He says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then, we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. That's a powerful assurance of what we have to look forward to. That because Jesus lives, we too will live. And we too do live. We have hope. Hope the way the world can't. 
And it doesn't mean that we don't, we don't grieve and we're not sad when someone uh, gets sick and when someone passes away. We are sad. We do grieve. There is a sadness there, but we don't mourn in the same way that people that, that don't believe in a life after this life do. It's different because we have the assurance of a reunion after this life is over. Some of you have Bibles where the words of Jesus are in red. And you'll find lots of those red words in, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and some in the book of Acts. But did you know there's also red print in the book of Revelation? So to close today, let Jesus' words from Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, encourage you and challenge you as we celebrate the reality of the resurrection. Jesus said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Do you and I seek life from dead things? Do we seek the living among the dead? Do we look for hope and life in places that don't have those things? Or do we go to the one who's the living one? Do we seek them from the one who holds the keys to death? Do we go to the one who's alive and in whom we also can really and truly live? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for how your death, your life, and your resurrection, your resurrected life, how they change us, how they make a huge difference to us. God, the fact that we serve a living God who hears us, who understands us, and who loves us and longs to have a relationship with us. God, it's so significant. God, as we go through this Easter weekend, it's a time of celebration. It's a time of being off work for some of us and a time of, of sharing food and sharing times with family and friends. And in some ways, these holidays are a little bit unreal. They're not like the rest of our normal lives. But God, when we go back to what are, is our normal lives after this is over, remind us and help us to encourage each other to seek you, to seek our life, to seek our hope, to seek everything we need from you, Jesus, the living one. Help us to go to you and trust you for those things because we won't find them in this dying world. Thank you, Jesus. Help us. Help us help each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.